Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The Lakers Legacy podcast episode you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Fansided Sports Network, the ultimate home for fans, and by lakeshowlife.com, Fansided's official Lakers website. Make sure to check out lakeshowlife.com for all the latest Lakers news, rumors, and opinion pieces. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod, and also please consider dropping us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. It truly is the best way to support us. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where two wrongs don't make a right, but two wrongdos in three years may make another ring, Uh, specifically number 18 for your Los Angeles Lakers, because the Savant Guard is back. Rajon Rondo! (laughs) I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley, and Tommy Alexander, but Tommy will be coming up in segment two where we will flip things a little bit and talk about lineups. But first, Alan is here to grace us with his presence for this intro segment where we talk about the most recent developments in Lakers land, namely the return of Swagger. Alan, your thoughts on the return of Swagger? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Rondo, he's, he's got a lot of swag. <laughs> he's a really cool guy. He's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. To quote, you know, the great Frank Vogel. <laughs> Frank Vogel loves some swag on this team. So, yeah, man, we we got it back. Um, we were missing some swag last year, I would say, and in a big way. You know, that was tough. Uh, but yeah, we're we're back in the swag business. Oh, you're even throwing it back to the little Dennis Schroeder as well. Damn, way to throw some shade. Well, Alan, let's get into it with uh, Rajon Rondo officially returning to Lakers Land. Talk about. Team Full Circle, Team 360, right? Add Rajon Rondo to that list. Uh, we just heard his intro presser the other day or a couple of days ago, depending on when you're listening to this. But, I mean, I loved everything that I heard from Rajon Rondo, who at this point is now Mr. If We Win, Nothing Else Matters. He was also singing the same refrain that Dwight Howard was singing when he had his return intro presser, talking about how I want my freaking parade. And almost implying that, the first year's championship didn't really count until we get the parade. So we're going to have to win a second time. And I think just hearing those words come out of Rondo was very, it got me super excited. And then the encouraging part about Rondo's intro presser was the admittance that it's no secret or surprise to anybody that he's going to have a reduced role, but he's willing to come on 
knowing Russell Westbrook's entry, knowing that we've gotten a lot better in terms of primary ball handlers on this team, but he's willing to mentor guys like Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker. So first, what are your thoughts on, well, were you surprised that, that Rondo was back? Were you pleasantly surprised that he's back? Did you even want him to come back? I, I guess also given the context of, yeah, the Lakers have a glut of 6-3 or below kind of point guard slash combo guards who can all sort of handle the ball. Did you even want, did you feel like it was a little uh, superfluous or unnecessary that Rondo came back? Or is this something that you actually wanted to happen? I did want it to happen. I'm glad that it happened. I was not super surprised (laughs) that it happened. Um, There is a bit of a glut, you're right. But I think... Knowing what his role is going to be, especially in the regular season, he mentioned it himself that there could be, you know, some DMPs and reduced role, whatever. Um, you know, may, may, it may not be so uh, cluttered and congested, right? Uh, as when you just look at the depth chart. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think, you know, losing the locker room presence and leadership and all that of Jared yeah. Dudley, um, you can't ignore the fact that Rondo. Um, can definitely fill that gap. Now, if you have both of them, I guess that would be like even more awesome, right? But um, it, it's something that we obviously missed last year. And this is not like hindsight 2020 kind of thing. We knew it last year. We were bummed out, yeah. you know, that he was gone. Um, so I'm really excited. I, I think that in some ways he's going to be forced to be even more like of a leader this upcoming season um he already was two years ago had Dudley been back Rondo obviously would have been like one of those types of guys on the team but now he'll be able to like do it to an even greater extent which I think is really exciting so yeah I'm, I'm stoked for all of this I think it's it's a perfect fit and you, are, you already know where I stand because I think we were one of the few in Lakers Nation during the last two years of Rondo's stint as a Laker that really held out hope for this guy, that believed in playoff Rondo the way that Vogel did. Was it frustrating at times? Was he sucking the life out of certain possessions and all that? For sure. But I think we always believed in the inevitability of playoff Rondo shining at the biggest moments, which unfortunately last year... Dennis Schroeder, zero points. Like, it's great that you can do stuff in the regular season and be consistent in that respect, but what does it all amount to if you don't show up in the biggest moments, right? Which Rajon Rondo, up until this point, has done consistently. So great for Rondo to have this gap year where he gets paid $7 million, uh, doesn't exert himself as much as he did, especially after such a long bubble season. He gets to come back to the Lakers and run it back. And I feel like, you know, last year for the Lakers, Rondo and Dwight, it was almost the equivalent of the blip in the Marvel movies. It's like nothing happened for them. So let's just jump back into it. Right. Like, in fact, according to Rondo's Instagram, it truly is as if nothing happened because his last post was of the championship celebration. So does that elicit any like lit feelings for you, Alan? Just in terms of like if we're talking like fluffy narratives and the full circleness of it all, even Rondo, after he won a championship with the Celtics, never returned to the Celtics. So for him to come back to the Lakers, again, let's just call last year what it was, a gap year for everybody, to fully have a a real 82-game season. Again, we hope, fingers crossed. 
and with fans once again to run this back, try and go back to back, at least in his eyes, and also do it in front of fans and hopefully get that tangible parade. It's, it's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny that you use the phrase gap year because one of the last things we talked about with Rondo was he's that kid right in the class who super smart, <laughs> doesn't apply himself. And then when it's the final once presentation, whatever, he's like a freaking genius. and Everyone's like, where was this the whole time? So he took a gap year as students do a lot of times. Right. And uh, it's like he, he graduated summa cum laude or whatever for, for undergrad with our first chip, took a gap year. Uh, wanted to see what else was out there, and now he's back for for grad school <laughs> or something like grad that. School, yeah. <laughs> his PhD, PhD, Alan. Yes, he's he's getting his PhD in in, uh, in leadership, I guess, right? <laughs> True. So let, let's talk about. So you you hinted on it a little bit, but what did what tangibly did we miss from Rondo last year? And I can start us off by just saying the most. And and again, look, we understand that at most, and maybe we can get into it in a little bit. You know, at most, Rondo's playing maybe three minutes at the end of the first and then maybe a little bit at the start of the second. But for the most part, he's likely going to be a break in case of emergency insurance third point guard for us. And if he does play in the regular season, it'll be for really short stints just to get the bench organized, if that. But let's say there is a break in case of emergency situation or guys just need the night off what did we miss from rondo and what can he actually transfer knowledge wise to even a guy like westbrook because the the biggest thing for me is his uncanny symbiotic connection with anthony davis and i was actually surprised that we didn't work harder to retain him just because he almost acted like a third captain for the team along with lebron james and anthony davis maybe even ahead of ad but those two and you can tell from their days with new orleans like the best seasons Anthony Davis has had in his career in terms of statistics plus competitive winning came with Rajon Rondo by his side. And it's because Rondo just knows where to find him and knows how to find him in the most creative ways possible where you don't even think there's a passing angle. And then on, outside of AD, I mentioned this a couple of times last year, like he just energized our best defenders by giving them easy buckets, whether that's Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, any of the other guys, you know, he energized the crowd by facilitating dynamic plays, whether it be pushing the ball up in transition or being the setup to a crazy dunk or alley-oop. That has intangible effects that resonate throughout the rest of the team, right, and makes them play even harder on defense. Um, and, and then I guess intangibly, he was a conduit to the superstars, someone like LeBron, AD and Westbrook, they all respect Rondo. We've mentioned it and joked about it. He's a savant. He thinks the game at another level to an even petty mind game level, right, with opponents and whatnot. So, but yeah, from, from your end, what did we miss from Rondo tangibly last year on the court that you were like, man, I, I don't know if we'll see it that much on court this year, but it's good to know that we have that even as like a second, third, last resort plan C sort of option. Yeah, last year we were just missing organization, and someone who mm-hmm. could make others around him better. You know, Schroeder was a I'm going to eat first kind of guy. And um, for a certain type of team, you know, like that's fine if that's what you want. But that is not what we wanted. That's not what we needed at all. Um, so just in terms of fit, I, I think that, like you said, um, the types of connections that obviously he made with AD, um, the type that he made with JaVale. Um, the way he would set them up is what we miss. Now, this year, as you said, are we really going to see it very often? Maybe, maybe not. But 
I, I firmly believe that we'll see it happen through <laughs> other guys on the team. We'll see it through Westbrook. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll we'll see plays from other uh, backcourt players where we're like, well, that looks like there's like Rondo fingerprints all over that. You know, he picked it up from Rondo in practice or something. Exactly. And there's honestly, there's no reason not to believe or be hopeful that 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 sort of thing will happen. It's just like when uh, a team has like a really great assistant coach. You know what I mean? Like we have Phil Handy and we're like, oh, man, like you can totally tell that Phil Handy working on all the skills with this player. That player is like paying off. I think that we'll see something a Rondo effect in the same type of way. Yeah, and you mentioned him being like almost like this year's version of Jared Dudley. But Alan, I mean, let's be real about this. If we ever had a break in case of emergency situation where LeBron goes down, we're like, we need another wing. Let's say LeBron, KCP, and Kuzma goes down. Jared Dudley, you're up in the playoffs. This is I mean, not the really situation with Rondo. He, he has <laughs> exactly. <swag> too. <laughs> but I mean, look, Rondo is Jared Dudley, but, but he's also playoff Rondo who can summon that in the event of a second round series where the worst happens. And we're like, oh, man, we're not sure how serious this injury is to Russell Westbrook. But Rondo, can you take us the way home and we'll figure things out after that? You know, Rondo can still do that. And I think that's the biggest benefit for us. Now, there, there comes some downside with the with the fact that Rondo still has ability, obviously. Um, and we can get to that. But but yeah, I think the biggest benefits with bringing Rondo back outside of the intangible stuff and bringing back some chemistry and thread from the championship season. So now we have Dwight, LeBron, AD, THT as that core that knows what happened during that you know long-ass season where the team underwent so much on and off the court. That's always good to have. And he can help bring together the, the rest of the veterans who are going about this they're in their first rodeo where they're all talking about sacrifice on the onset, but they're not really sure how that's going to play out tangibly. Rondo can give them a heads up and hopefully rein everybody together, rein everybody in and bring them together. So, But the biggest benefits for me is like we fortified ourselves to the upteenth degree. Like we've just made sure, okay, if, if Westbrook goes down, we've got none. We've got THT. We've got Malik Monk. If any of them go down or they just can't handle the pressure and can't orchestrate an offense, thank God we got Rondo, and he just so happens to be the only true, true point guard, Allen. One of the few guys on this team who doesn't care about scoring and solely cares about setting others up. I think on a team with so many weapons, offensive weapons, that's a good thing to have. Someone who doesn't care about getting a bucket. We've mentioned it before. Him and Marcus Gasol are those types of guys. They want to pass it off. They want the offense flowing. And I think that sort of thing is infectious, whether it's tangibly on the court or something he disseminates to the rest of the team off the court, right? Um, okay, do you have any worries about Rondo, though? Because my biggest worry is not Rondo himself. I'm actually worried about Vogel <laughs> because, as you mentioned, Vogel, Vogel loves his swag and he loves Rondo and... I actually think Rondo is going to be playing consistently, maybe. And are you a little bit worried that that may impinge on, you know, Kendrick Nunn, seeing more of Kendrick Nunn, THT, Malik Monk, or, or yeah, you're just going to in a wait, wait and see mode. That's a good point. I, I think it could happen earlier, right? If, if there's a chance of that happening, it all be towards the beginning of the season, the feeling out process, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, a championship coach relying on his vets versus the young guys and waiting for the younger guys to earn right their trust. Now, the funny thing is Frank trusts guys who 
are there on defense. <laughs> we know, especially in the regular season, that is not Rondo's MO defense, mm-hmm. right? So if there's any way we can reassure ourselves that there won't be an imbalance created by Vogel, it would be the fact that Rondo's not going to really carry his weight defensively. And that's just going to drive mm-hmm. him, you know, insane. Um, now that's True. predicated upon the fact that you think the younger guys that you mentioned will be good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is a bit of that wait and see. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there are times in the first month of the season or two where we're like, damn, Rondo got like 20 something minutes tonight. Like seriously, <laughs> like I want to see somebody oh, else, man. What the hell's going on? Um, I, I can right. see that playing out, but we, we just hope uh, as time goes on that those, those things will work themselves out. Thank God the schedule is super soft <laughs> at the beginning of the yeah, season. So true. we can F around a little bit. Or establish a tone, right? I guess maybe from Vogel's sense. All right, so we'll take it to break first. And then when we come back, I'll give you some interesting Rondo stats. And we'll close Allen's timeout by talking about a potential big man carousel that the Lakers may face. So first, our sponsors. Hey, folks. Today's show is brought to you by the marginal writing skills of yours truly, Jonathan Hernandez. But did you know that this same Jonathan Hernandez who's speaking to you now is not only a corny, punerific Lakers podcast host, but also a TV writer who works in the entertainment industry as well? Now, I say that not to puff my chest out, but actually to do the exact opposite and grovel. Because if you're a showrunner, an exec, or a fellow writer on a current show and are looking for some fresh new voices, well please consider this quirky Filipino dude with this Lakers podcast who's speaking to you now. I'm pre-WGA, have years of animation production experience, script coordinator experience. I've also written four fully produced freelance animated scripts. And I was also privileged enough to have been named a finalist in the 2021 Universal Animation Writers Program. So for anyone that's looking to take a shot on a novice writer who's just shooting his shot right now in the weirdest way possible, I'd love to set up a general meeting or an informational with you to simply discuss potential opportunities. So please feel free to reach out to jhun247 at gmail.com. So with all that said, now back to the Lakers. All right, so we're back. Alan, I'm sure by this point you've heard about with Rondo now in tow, how the Lakers have three of the best passers in NBA history actively playing on the team. I'm sure you've also heard of all those crazy, you know, minutia of, yeah, the Lakers now have like eight former All-Stars and former All-NBA players on their team. And all these accolades are insane. But in terms of LeBron, Westbrook, and Rondo, to have number eight in LeBron, number 12 in Westbrook, and number 14 in Rondo in total assists in NBA history is just unfathomable. It's crazy to think about. So that's three of the top 15 all-time leading assist getters in the league. But did you also know that the Lakers now also house three of the top 15 triple-double leaders in NBA history? Because the other thing that Rondo also does well that Westbrook and LeBron James do is rebound the ball. So, Allen, at number one, with most triple-doubles in NBA history is Russell Westbrook with 184. Number two is LeBron James at 99. Rondo's all the way down to number 13, but given the fact that over the last three years he hasn't been playing starters minutes and hasn't even had the opportunity to rack up the triple-doubles, it's crazy that Rondo sits at 13 with 32 triple-doubles. And again, this is with him only recording one triple-double with the Lakers during the 2018-19 season in the last three years. So just nuts to think about. And then lastly, with regards to Westbrook and Rondo, they also just so happen to be within the top 15 of most rebounds in NBA history by a point guard. 
Uh, Westbrook lands at number three with 6,961 total rebounds. And Rondo is at number 12 with 4,241 rebounds. Jason Kidd is number one, so that's probably not surprising to you. But in terms of just these are versatile ball handlers who can grab the rebound and push your team down into transition without even pausing a second is crazy and I think should lend to the team's frenetic pace and identity of just running the ball down opponents' throats and trying to get that showtime momentum going. So just your quick thoughts on those stats, even if it's just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about like to- running, right? Like rebound the ball, go. Um, hopefully we're not stuck in too many like half court sets where, where things are going really slowly. So, uh, and we already talked about what this is going to look like with LeBron and Westbrook pushing it. Okay. Well, in those situations where Doe is out there, imagine what that's going to look like too. Like we we've seen that already. Uh, so yeah. Oh shit. Indeed. Putting it into historical context is just mind blowing. All right, Alan, with that said, um, the Brooklyn Nets just got Paul Millsap, they're apparently in the lead to bring back LaMarcus Aldridge, who's been cleared to play. Now, there have been rumors that maybe Marcus Gasol is not a lock to stay on this team. Until further notice, Until further notice, we're just going to act like he's still on this team because he is and he's signed on for next year. But there have also been rumors that because Brooklyn is over in terms of guaranteed guys that they're going to cut DeAndre, Lakers may have an interest in bringing DeAndre Jordan in. If Kevin Love gets bought out, we'll see if that's even a reality. They may bring Kevin Love back in. But my first question to you is, do you still want Marcus all on this team, and can he still help this team? I think he can definitely help the team. Um, I think even after all the drama last year, when he was getting some some minutes here and there, we, we saw how effective he was. Obviously, he's a three-point shooter, and... Uh, as a playmaker too. Not that we like need a lot of playmakers at this point, but um, the fact that he can stretch the floor, that he can get an offense organized as well. Um, if they are, you know, kind of stagnant ball watching, whatever it is. Um, I, I think that there's a place for him on this team. That, absolutely. Yeah. And I think obviously last year he was the starting center for when the team was num- the number one team in the West before AD went down and then LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. And he was also just starting to hit his threes and find his groove before he went down with the safety protocols with COVID. He actually hit 17 of 40 from three. That's 42% in like the last eight, nine games or so before, you know, he hit that COVID spell. And he was also our third best catch and shoot three-point shooter last season, shooting almost 42% on one made three a game, doing that at the center spot, which I think is the most important part. And I think even with Westbrook, even though our identity is is now wanting to go back to having like a vertical spacing threat and throwing balls in the air for lobs and athleticism and speed, I think you still need, especially in the starting lineup, to space the floor out for Westbrook, LeBron, AD, who all want to eventually get to the paint, right? And having Marcus all be that safety valve spacer for Westbrook, I think is really important. And just the fact that he is a legit 6'11 with a 7'4 wingspan, you want to have that skill set of being able to space the floor and also pass at that center position, because even on the other end, while he can't defend in space anymore or defend the perimeter, he can still be a big man impediment, right? And still guard the paint. Um, what are your thoughts on bringing in DeAndre Jordan, whether it's in addition to Marc Gasol or maybe potentially replacing Marc Gasol? <laughs> um, not, not very crazy about it, to be honest. Um, I, I think if you wanted a comp in terms of fit, maybe a little like JaVale, but JaVale even yeah. had like 
some offensive skills down in the paint. Like you could rely on him to occasionally like throw up a little jump hook or whatever it was. Um, DeAndre, not so much. Um, in, in terms of like a rim protector, you know, last line of defense and things like that. Sure. Like he, he could fill that role. Um, but he's not as long <laughs> as JaVale. You know, JaVale had a lot of those like someone effed up on defense, maybe him, and then he would recover because of his length and block the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as DJ goes, uh, not not as excited <laughs> about the potential of that one actually happening and definitely not as a replacement for Mark, actually. Yeah, I think in addition, I'm ambivalent to it at best. You know what I mean? He is actually as long as JaVale. He has a seven foot six wingspan, but I don't oh, think he's. Really? He, oh. Yeah, he doesn't have the quick twitch athleticism that even JaVale McGee at his age has, right? right? And I saw a couple of clips of DeAndre from last season. He can still throw it down and catch alley oops. He had a couple of like reverse alley oops that were pretty impressive, but on defense, he is just a traffic cone. And I don't think he can move as well as JaVale can. So it, w- it would at best be almost like a poor approximation of JaVale. And at that point, in my eyes, why don't you just get a younger dude who can do those things? You know what I mean? Are you kind of like in line with that thinking? Like just get an athletic dude who can run and jump and catch alley-oops as well, who you know for sure maybe won't just have wear and tear like a guy. Like, even though DeAndre's 33, he has mileage on himself. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I, I definitely agree with that. I think you bring up a good point with, uh, you know, JaVale being more more agile and, you know, having that quick twitch type of reflex. Whereas DeAndre at this point, you know, in his career, it's not really uh, one of his assets anymore. So, yeah, I agree. Let's just take a flyer on someone instead if we're going to go that route. OK, well, Alan, speaking of young guys, I have a couple that, w- that we haven't yet talked about that I think would be interesting. Of course, we've mentioned Marquise Chris before, right? I think you'd still be in line with would you rather have Mar- uh, take a Marquise Chris flyer than a DeAndre Jordan flyer at Absolutely. this point? <laughs> yeah, me, I mean, me too. I mean, it's a no brainer, right? I mean, Marquise Chris, I know he's, he's not very smart and doesn't have high basketball IQ, but Golden State utilized him pretty well, and he had a pretty effective season, averaging 20 minutes for them, where he had nine points and just is athletic clay that we can work with and still fits that identity of running up and down, you know, dunking the ball and being athletic, right? So with that said, the next guy I'm going to talk about, who's also a young flyer, does not fit that bill necessarily. He almost fits the Marcus Gasol kind of skilled bill, I guess. Um, I just bring this guy's name up because he was also cut and waived by Memphis. And this is there's this running joke going on about how the Memphis Grizzlies are a feeder <laughs> team for the Lakers. And I just want this to happen. So, Alan, do you remember three years ago, I think this was like the Mo Wagner draft, but this guy's name always came up about he might slip to the Lakers. Maybe the Lakers should get him. But Michael Porter Jr.'s brother, Jonte Porter. Now, he's been terribly injured, Alan. Uh, yeah. He only played 11 games 11, for Memphis yeah. last year. <laughs> Averaging two points and 1.3 rebounds. Yeah. Uh, his best game, he, he had seven points, three rebounds, one block, one steal, one three in May. That's kind That's of like a, a microcosm. quadruple single. It is. Well, hey, this is kind of like a microcosm, a microcosm of the versatility that Jonte Porter can provide, right? He's still only 22 years old. He's uh, he's six foot eleven, maybe six ten, with a seven foot wingspan. He's a forward combo big. He did play for the Memphis Hustle in the G League, putting up meandering stats as well: seven points, five rebounds, one point two assists, one point two blocks, and only seventeen minutes per game. But hey, if you're talking about just bringing in a reclamation project and seeing if you can wring anything out of him, and maybe even learning from a smart guy like Marcus Saul, provided he's on the roster. Would you have any gripes with bringing in Jonte Porter, who could be like a versatile big eventually? And the Memphis Grizzlies didn't cut him because he had health problems. It's just they had a roster crunch they had to deal with. 
just to keep up the Memphis Grizzlies motif, I, I say <laughs> absolutely yes. And I will say this, and I hope this isn't a controversial statement. As long as he's not like an anti-vaxxer like his brother, then yeah, mm. definitely bring him in. <laughs> Good point. So there's Jonte Porter. I have two more guys, He definitely guys, won't Alan. be playing in New York or San Francisco because they're not allowing that. <laughs> Indeed. And so when I talk about bringing in a young flyer like John Say Porter, I bring this back to the point that Jared Dudley made before he left to become an assistant coach on the Mavericks. He mentioned that Rob Polinka wanted to go younger. So if the Lakers are still in that line of thinking, I'd imagine they'd probably use one or their, one of their last roster spots or maybe two on non-guaranteed contracts or training camp invites for this guy. Kind of similar to what the Portland Trailblazers did, giving Dennis Smith Jr. a non-guaranteed contract. In that same line of thinking, this guy's young-ish. He's a little bit more on the older side. But Alan, all these years we've been talking about over the last few deadlines, this is a more of a wing player, but we've been talking about three and D guys. And this guy's name has popped up multiple times. But what are your thoughts about bringing Glenn Robinson the third in? He's still only 27 years old, six foot six with a six foot 10 wingspan, played with the Kings last year, only averaged 5.3 points in 16 minutes in 23 games, knocked down 36% of his threes on low volume, hitting 0.6. He is a career 37% three-point shooter, but on very low volume, again, only hitting 0.6 a game. But he is athletic. He was in the dunk contest for some reason. I don't think he did very well. But in his his prime for the 76ers and for the Warriors, which was his best season, which came in the 2019-20 season with the Warriors, where he averaged 31 minutes and 13 points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three, knocking down 1.43 1.43 a game. That's kind of what you want to see from him. But for a guy at the end of your bench that you're like, we need physical clay. We need a guy who's a legit 6'6". That's kind of Glenn Robinson the third. He's 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan. James Ennis is like maybe the more fully realized version of him. But in terms of taking a flyer, and this is a guy that the Lakers have actually entertained in the past. What are your thoughts on bringing in Glenn Robinson the third? Also not opposed to that. I mean, like you said, it's limited minutes, right? Like all the guys that we're kind of looking at this point haven't even played much over the last few seasons. And when they have played a lot, it's because they were on, um, you know, teams that were entering the lottery. So um, it's hard to say. But like you said, if we're just looking for someone who has certain physical attributes that can fill a need, end of the bench, depth type of guys um i mean i'm not opposed to it and there are some other names you threw out there to me like i saw dj wilson's name and i was like oh no i don't want that dude (laughs) i'm sorry okay so (laughs) well let's talk about dj wilson first of all in the third for sure okay so dj wilson he is okay so he's a former number 17 pick of the bucks right over the last three or four years he's done absolutely jack jack squat to be fair to him, he was buried at the end of their bench for like a competitive team. But you'd hope that a guy who's... I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he, he might. He might, Alan. But the guy is six... He's 6'10 six, with a seven foot three wingspan. I didn't even know those were his measurables. But I was like, damn, those are kind of intriguing. Like, he was athletic in college, but he's not explosive, explosive athletic like Marquise Chris. But he is only 25 years old. He does have some balance, at least in open space. And last year with the Houston Rockets, this is supreme garbage time at the end of the season. And I think the Houston Rockets whole season was supreme garbage time. But DJ Wilson had a 25-point 
eight rebound, four assist, three steal, and three threes game on 10 of 17 shooting. So he can do a little bit of everything, Alan. He can shoot from the outside. He can score in the mid-range. He's like almost like a power forward that plays a little bit more like a wing, so that puts him more in the tweener category, even though he's 6'10". But even after me selling you on this, you're still lukewarm on him, right? I mean, now I think that uh, he has future all-star. You know, <laughs> after that future. one after, game I gave After you. hearing those, like, LeBron James uh, kind of stat line right there. Uh, no, nah, I'm still not sold, sorry. No, that's that's totally fine. But, I mean, he is a name to look out for in terms of just a young flyer. Okay, some other names to look out for, we won't get deeply into them, is Timothée Luau Cabarro. <laughs> I think he played... I think he played with the Brooklyn Nets last year. He He's supposed to be a 3 and D guy, but his three-point shot just hasn't been there. I think the most intriguing guy out of this crop is maybe Terrence Ferguson. 6'6", six, 6'9", six, six wingspan, leaps out of the gym, actually has played with Russell Westbrook, and he had his best season alongside Russell Westbrook during the 2018-19 season, averaging seven points, hitting 37% from three, knocking down 1.4 a game. He just hasn't put it all together, and also, frankly, he's just not as good a shooter as was advertised for him. But, again, you're looking for physical clay and just young, fresh legs, and I think any of these guys, I don't think we'd complain about, right? We just wouldn't have very high expectations for them. Correct. Right, right. Maybe Marquis Chris, though, because we we've actually seen him do some stuff for a, a more prolonged and sustained period of time. Uh, but with that said, Alan, we will let you go. Uh, we will turn it to our sponsors once again. And next, we're going to talk about the next segment. We're going to talk with Tommy. We're going to do some lineups talk and even talk about how Rondo fits into the rotation, even though we recorded it before things were officially announced. Again, we want to say that we went ahead and proceeded with Marcus Gasol being one of the two active full-time centers on this team. So just keep that in mind when, we, when I have my talk with uh, Tommy. But with that said, Alan, we will let you go and we'll talk to you before training camp, which is uh, in less than a month at this point. Holy cow. That's crazy. Awesome. Sounds good. See you, man. All right. Later. Attention listeners across the galaxy. All the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So do you guys remember that one time I told you about that one white stray hair I had down there that almost made me pull a hip muscle after I pulled it? No? Well, there you go. And also, that's the last time you'll ever hear about any such hairy situation for me again. Because ever since I started using Manscaped, The white stray hair snipping process for me has been much smoother than ever. So, are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your whole solar system. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. 
Man, did I write this? I don't know. Anyways, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, so we're back and somehow Tommy's here. I don't know where he came from, but Tommy's here. Tommy, hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, Tommy just came from taking a COVID test. Tommy, do you have the vid? Uh, inconclusive, but oh. probably, hopefully not. I just took the test. I did not get the results instantly. Okay, well, we will be waiting with bated breath. I don't think you'll get the results even after this segment. So anyways, uh, we're here to talk about the Lakers starting lineup, maybe a bench lineup as well. You know, the next five in line, if and when Vogel ever goes to like a full lineup change. So with that said... I mean, pretty easy question, Tommy, off the bat. What is your preferred starting lineup? And we'll have to do this in two separate ways. One, let's assume that AD starts at the five. I still don't think that's likely, but just in case they throw yeah, a curveball. I, I don't think so, but yeah. You know, yeah. just in case they throw that curveball at the beginning of the season, let's, let's give our AD at the five personal preference for a starting lineup and then a traditional center starting lineup that we would like to see. So why don't we start off with you? Who do you have as your 80 at the five uh, starting lineup? So 80 at the five, I think you have to go LeBron at the four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I would probably go... I'd probably go Baze at the three. Okay. And then I'd probably go... uh, Let's see... One of Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington, and then Westbrook at the point guard. Obviously, you you can't hedge. Give me give me one Monk or okay, Ellington. I'm going to go with. I'm going with Monk. <laughs> okay, cool. So my question to you is: So you're going with Bays at the three? Give me a rationale for that, since he's he has the length, I guess, wingspan wise with seven with a seven foot wingspan, but he is on the shorter end, six five ish. Well, I think Bayes is if we, I, it's tough because I don't think AD is going to start at the, the five, so that kind of throws off my rotation a little bit. Um, you know, obviously LeBron would start at the in that scenario if AD was at the four, but I mm-hmm. uh, I I think he adds. I think we have like good enough ball handlers um, off the bench now, like between Kendrick Nunn. And, you know, Wayne Ellington can shoot, obviously. And I like Baze's length. I, I think regardless, Baze is going to get, you know, who starts at the five or whoever, whatever the starting lineup ends up being. I really do think Baze is going to get a good amount of minutes at the three, just because we have such a glut of guards and Baze sure. brings like a defensive dynamic that pretty much nobody else on our team except for Ariza brings. Um, and so in this... You know, I, I look, I'm open to Ariza at the three also, but thinking about an 82 game season with 80 at the five, I think I would go with Bayes for a little bit more athleticism. Okay, that makes sense. My uh, 80 at the five starting lineup is actually pretty similar to yours. I have 80 at the five, LeBron at the four, and then I put Ariza in the starting lineup, like you just mentioned. I think with. You know, the best wings on the other team, on the opposing team, those wings will always be starting, obviously. So I feel like we need Ariza right off the bat because he not only gives you 
that wingspan, but he gives you that height as well at 6'8", 6'9". I think he has the longest wingspan out of any of our wing players, which isn't a lot. It's pretty much LeBron, him, and Bazemore. Uh, But, you know, he has that 7'2 wingspan. And then at shooting guard, and again, this is the personal preference, I have Malik Monk. I think we can afford to have one defensive, quote-unquote, weak link um, starting with those guys. Yeah. But have that guy be an exciting, explosive player with upside to help push the older guys. I don't think you necessarily want... I think intuitive sense would say, yeah, Vogel will just go with the tried and true all-veteran starting lineup. But I feel like having that Monk wildcard in the starting lineup will actually help the older guys to start off with um, in terms of like an energizer boost while also giving you, like I, like I mentioned, some upside. And he can obviously space the floor better than a Bazemore would. And then obviously Westbrook starting at the one. So that's my personal preference lineup if AD starts at the five. And, yeah, I think Ariza and Bazemore can be semi-interchangeable. I think I just feel more comfortable with Ariza right off the bat, even if he has that honorary sort of, you know, starting lineup role uh, and you kind of conserve his minutes that way. Um, Now, this is the 80 at the 5, your personal preference. Do you think if Vogel actually starts 80 at the 5 that he'd go with this or do you think he goes more conservative and switches any of these guys up? I think he'd probably go more conservative. The reason being in the lineup that I, I think you need, like over again, over an 82-game season, you need most teams in the NBA have at least one or two dynamic perimeter players, right? And and so if you're thinking about it from that perspective, like LeBron is already out of the equation because he's going to be playing the four. Westbrook is not a horrible defender from, you know, I mean, it's hard, so hard to tell with him because you can never really tell if he's fully engaged on that end on any given mm-hmm. night. You know what I mean? But like, you're not going to have Westbrook chasing around the opposing team's defensive player. I guess what, what I'm really getting at with this long-winded way of saying this is like we've had for the last four years KCP as our guy to just throw out there with the starters and be like, you go chase whoever the perimeter player on the other team is for, for the entire game. Um, so I think we need someone like that. And, and so I think the risk with Malik Monk is, you know, if we think Bayes is good enough to like otherwise cover for deficiencies, then maybe it'll be fine. But I think, you know, Ariza is obviously more of a veteran. Maybe we do Ariza and Bayes more, um, you know, something like that, uh, and, and push Monk completely to the bench. I could see something like that maybe, but I, I think he'll probably play it a little more conservative on the perimeter if, you know, and on the wings if we're going with LeBron at the four and AD at the five. Yeah, I agree with you. Although this kind of goes against what you said in terms of giving Westbrook a sort of dog next to him. I have Ellington starting at the shooting guard spot almost as that honorary default JaVale McGee role. And I say that just because I still have Ariza at the three. If, if This is the Vogel preferred lineup, right? And I just think that having... While there are merits to starting both Ariza and Bazemore, I think you actually need to stagger one of them defensively since they are our two main wing slash perimeter defenders. So if Ariza is starting, I almost feel like you should have Bays come off the bench. If Bays is starting, Ariza should come off the bench. Does that make sense? I, I don't that know if there's sense, any yeah. merit to that, but I, that's how I would go with it. And I think if you have Wayne Ellington out there, you can hide him defensively while he, while he gives you, you know, that elite spacing. Even though... 
you have spacing regardless because the primary purpose of putting 80 at the five is so that you don't have to worry about, you know, clogging the lanes. But I think with Wayne Ellington's experience and veteran savviness, you can hide him on defense and he'll still give you probably what Malik Monk gives you just without without any of that upside and dynamic play. Um, and again, Bazemore would come off the bench to be that, you know, second wing slash perimeter defender. Um, okay, so let's move on to our traditional five personal preference starting lineup with maybe Mark or Dwight at the five. So what does that look like for you? So if we're going traditional five lineup, and this is my personal preference, I think I would go Mark uh, at the five. Mm -hmm. I would go 80 at the four, uh, LeBron at the three. This is where it gets interesting, obviously, (laughs) because this lineup is so weird. But I and again, I, I it, for me it comes down to, and maybe we'll get into this in more detail uh, moving forward. But it really comes down to who do we think is going to win the battle? And I view really viewed as a one v one battle between Wayne and Malik Monk for rotation minutes. But you know, again, my preference because I'm excited about his athleticism and youth, and think he and thinks he could bring a little bit of boost to the starting lineup. I'd probably go Monk and then Russ. Okay, in the backcourt. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, Malik Monk wouldn't need the ball in his hands. In fact, you just literally lob it up to him or you pass it out to him on the perimeter and he shoots that three. Right. Yeah. And I think it has to be a guy at the two who can shoot, because if you're playing LeBron, AD and and Russ with a center, you know, you have to, you know, that's why I go Mark over Dwight, for example. And, and I think you have to go with a with a guy who can really, really consistently shoot at the two. Okay, well, here's where I'm going to detract from what you just said and go completely loony. This is, again, personal preference. Um, Traditional five starting lineup. I'm going to have Marcus All there in that honorary JaVale McGee starting spot role. AD at the four, LeBron at the three, Westbrook at the one. And then I'm going to put, I don't know if this is going to work. I just want to see it happen. I'm going to put THT in that shooting guard spot. Now, I understand that that will nullify what THT does best, obviously, because he likes to have the ball in his hands as well. But I do think there is some sort of like safety valve thing going on with THT and Westbrook where they can kind of toss it to each other and attack. I'm not too convinced on this. I just feel like if you're going to pay a guy $10 million, and I understand why the Lakers paid him $10 million, um... And it's not necessarily them saying, okay, you're the starter for sure or the guy of the future. They kind of just needed to pay him $10 million to retain him. But I think this is kind of THT's sink or swim season. And I would just like to see how he fares. Even if if they don't stick with it, I want to see him in the starting lineup at some point just to see is he the type of player that we truly can build around, you know, because I... I'm enamored with THT's physical abilities and his upside. And I would hope that, you know, we have higher aspirations for him than just being a six man sort of Jordan Clarkson guy off the bench, you know. So and again, this is like the personal preference, right? I'm not sure if it's going to work. I'm not even convinced of it myself, just kind of going through it. But I would just like to see him sink or swim at some point. So uh, and he, he does have the money value behind him to put him in that spot. I think he's like the fourth highest, right? Fourth highest paid player? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what about your uh, traditional five that Vogel will roll out? Do you think he'll go with Monk? Or again, we're going back to, yeah, he'll probably start Bazemore at that spot. Bazemore or Ellington? 
I think he'll probably go Ellington with this lineup because although Ellington is like a not a great defender, I, with Mark and AD and LeBron, I mean, there's so much size and, and you have the athleticism with Russ. I, I think we'll probably, you know, he'll probably go more conservative with the guy who's the veteran and, and you know, thought of to be as more of like the pure shooter. But again, all that said, it's like, we obviously, I don't know, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for you. I personally did not watch very much Hornets basketball <laughs> the last uh, <laughs> I did not either. The last four years, uh, you know, especially before LaMelo was on that team. But so I guess what I'm getting at is I, I can't say for sure anything about Malik Monk, but on paper, I like everything I see. Reading stuff from Hornets fans, it sounds like last season felt like sort of that turning point. And, you know, as a fan of a team who before LeBron got here had many years of guys, you know, young guys we were developing and you could kind of see when they were hitting those turning points. Like it makes me a little bit excited that perhaps we've gotten Monk like right at the right time uh, on his upswing. Mm -hmm. And so if everything clicks and hits, you know, it could be a really, really fun and dynamic backcourt between him and and, uh, Russ. Yeah, I agree with you. It's either going to be Wayne Ellington or Kent Bazemore in that traditional Marcus All at the five starting yeah, unit that yeah. Vogel goes with. All right, let's switch it to the bench. And again, not to say that you're going to get this complete line change, but let's say who are the first five guys off the bench that are going to have semi-consistent minutes, or at least you envision them having semi-consistent minutes. Yeah, so I would. I think definitely the next five, which I think is the right way of thinking about it, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, uh, THT, and this is obviously going to vary depending on who we picked for our starters, but yeah. I think Kendrick Nunn, THT, uh, Ariza, Mello, and Dwight for yeah. me. Yeah, that's pretty simple. It's going to be some form or fashion of, I get, I think Nunn and THT tag teaming with that, you know, primary ball handler creator spot off the bench. Yeah. Uh, Ellington may be the guy that gets phased out after his starting stint, if he gets that starting stint and Malik Monk takes that spot slash THT. And then you have Ariza and Bazemore again staggering at the three, whoever is starting. So I guess in, in this sense, maybe it's uh, it's Bazemore or THT and we play up a little bit um, in the sense that if Ariza is starting, yeah, Bazemore or THT may, be, may get some spots at that small forward spot. I have Mello entrenched at the four, although it should be stated that Ariza played a lot of four, if not exclusively four, for the Miami Heat last year. So he may get some minutes there as well. Uh, and then obviously Dwight at the five. Uh, and, I, and, you know, that, that's fluid. Is there anything else you want to say about the bench before we just talk about uh, one lineup that we'd like to see that's, that intrigues us? Uh, no, I think we covered it. Yeah. All right. So to close this segment, yeah, give me one lineup amalgamation you're looking forward to seeing out of sheer curiosity just to see how it works or it's just this looks hilarious like a 2K lineup. So the one that I'm interested to see for sure is 80 at the five, LeBron at the four. And it's very similar to my starting lineup with 80 at the five, but with a tweak that I think is interesting that I don't think we can necessarily do uh, for 82 games. But I think 80 at the five, LeBron at the four, Bays, Nunn, and Westbrook. I think Mm. playing Nunn and Westbrook next to each other could also be really interesting. They're both smaller guards. Nunn is like 6'3", though, right? He's not like super, super. Like Westbrook's only like 6'1", I think. Um. And, and, you know, none, I think, 
is a surprisingly, if you look at some of like the analytics, his assist numbers aren't that high, but he's a surprisingly good playmaker. Um, putting that amount of shooting and ball handling at every, you know, position, including, you know, 80 at the five, who maybe is a below average shooter overall, but for a center is probably right about average, if not slightly better. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's, uh, that could be a really fun lineup that could play really fast and, and have a lot of guys who could do a lot of things. And the reason I choose Bays over Ariza is simply for the fact that, Again, he's just another guy who could grab the ball and do something with it other than just Mm -hmm. spot up in the corner. But I can see an argument with this lineup that I've selected that, you know, maybe you just put Ariza at the three and and he could just be your defensive robot or whatever. I mean, if you're going small, you might as well go all in, right? So, and Baysmore, I think, is at this stage of their careers, the better transition player. Like, he can really push it. And I think he just has fresher legs. Um Okay, so for me, well, I have two. Uh, this this next one's kind of a trolley one. Like, this is something you'd find on 2K that you just put together for fun. I call it the Smash Mouth lineup, and it includes all the strongest, buffest, most athletic dudes. I don't think we'll ever actually see it, but if we do, it'd be kind of hilarious. Uh, so if we ever want to punch guys in the mouth or the chin for some reason and cause havoc on the floor, I would want to have Dwight at the five, Mark AD the at the four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yours, yours is getting way out of hand, uh, but I would like to see that too. AD at the three. <laughs> yeah. Mark at the four, AD at the three. Uh, but no, Dwight at the five, AD at the four, LeBron at the three, Kendrick Nunn at the two, and Westbrook at the one. And now yeah. that I listed out, it's not so unrealistic. The the Marcus no, no, at four we'll and then AD at the three is <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But, but in terms of like, are not, those guys, like some of our most like physical players, and I include Kendrick Nunn in that as well, because while he does have sort of that like slim physique, if you watch him play and the way that he throws down some of his dunks, I've mentioned it before, he does have that sort of Eric Bledsoe compact, strong body as well, and surprisingly athletic in space. And I just think that unit not only can rough you up, but, man, they're going to be dunking the hell out of the ball. I know Monk can be included in this as well, but Monk, to me, is just has a slighter frame than Kendrick Nunn does. So in terms of just being physically imposing, like that, that would be like my all, you know, smash mouth buff lineup that would be interesting to see. And then lastly, this is, I, mean, I know I'm cheating here, but I want to see a run and gun lineup or run and young gun lineup. So this one would include... I'm reserving one spot for a veteran here, so it's not exactly all young guns, but I have AD at the five, Ariza or Mello at the four. That's the one veteran I have, mm-hmm. even though I know AD is a veteran, but veteran in terms of grizzled vet. AD at the five, Ariza or Mello at the four, THT at the three, Monk oh. at the two, and then Kendrick Nunn at the one. Damn. What do you think about that? That's kind of fun, right? Summer League All Stars. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they'll ever go with that, barring you know some injuries to to key guys. But that has the feeling of a young core sort of deal with like you know AD anchoring everything. Sure, yeah. And then Mello just gives you that spacing and you know veteran savviness. But with regards to THT Monk and Nun just running amok, 
that could be sort of fun, but uh, yeah, probably sure. not too realistic. Okay, so just to close this whole thing out, let's say we do have Rondo. Do you think that guy is getting any minutes, or is he literally that end of the first quarter, you know, three-minute guy? And then maybe he plays one minute into the second, but that's the last we see of him just to orchestrate the offense. Unless we sign a guy who is objectively much better than Carmelo Anthony, that's like the one gap in our life. And I, you know, again, acknowledging that Carmelo, I think, is only going to play like 15 minutes a game on this team. Like, that is the one gap I really see on our roster where you can kind of crack in and we're going to, we can potentially get someone who is like, quote, clearly better, you know? I think our guards are pretty set. I mean, again, the wild card is Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington, I guess, in terms of their defense, in terms of Wayne's defense and Malik Monk's consistency on a championship caliber team. But I think Rondo is literally just a bench guy. You know, maybe if somebody's injured or somebody's sitting out, he cracks the rotation. But I think that's like a you play 40, 45 games out of the season very limited minutes. And, you know, most of the games you're playing, other guys are resting or basically you're the Quinn Cook special of the uh, of the roster. Yeah. I think Rondo probably has a little bit better chance to be slightly above the Quinn Cook special just because of his relationship with the organization, chemistry with Anthony Davis, etc. Um, but even at that level, I think he's literally getting three minutes to close the first, maybe two minutes to start the second. And that's pretty much it, you know, I guess, but like how can, but you know, it's like, you never see a guy who plays the entire season averaging six minutes a game, right? It's like, it it like never happens. It's like the guys who play are part of the rotation. They have to get minutes. So we have too many guys, I think who have to get minutes if we're going to win a championship. And maybe Rondo is one of those guys and Malik Monk gets cut. And so who knows? I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities, but I think with the, with having Russ and LeBron on the same team, I, I just don't think that we really need a true ball handler to be out there unless there's an injury. Yeah, that's fair. I'm You don't have to twist my leg on that one for sure. Yeah. All right, that'll do it with our lineups talk. Tommy, get out of here, get that COVID test and make sure that you're negative and we'll, we'll see you later. Later. Peace.